Okay, welcome back to the Pistols Firing Podcast. This is Kyle Porter. Uh, we taped today, like we usually do on Thursdays, uh, using Facebook Live. We tried to uh, use our good mics to um, record good audio for the for the podcast that we're posting right now. Didn't quite work out. We had a, a couple of technical difficulties. We will have those worked out next week. So I apologize for one final week of... Uh, poor sound quality on the Thursday podcast, but we will have that uh, ready to go next week. And uh, as always for these Thursday pods, we're, we're streaming them live at 2 p.m. Uh, so it's kind of fun to interact. You can ask questions. Uh, it's kind of a live mailbag uh, type uh, podcast. So um, anyway, just wanted to mention that because we talked on, we bragged actually on the podcast about how good the sound quality was going to be. And then it wasn't. So apologies for that. And hope you enjoyed anyway. Thanks. <laughs> Welcome back to the Pistols Firing Podcast. We are trying something a little bit new today. We're still doing uh, the Facebook Live, which we've been doing on Thursday afternoons, which is fun because we can kind of do an interactive type deal where we take questions. Uh, but we're also taping with our good mics so that when we turn it into a podcast later on, it will be uh, more coherent. So you got your good mic out. I got my good mic out. And we've got some questions rolling in. Um, Did you not put your... Uh... Could you not face the camera? We're like we're getting like an earshot of you right now. This is like when TV when we get a bad angle at an interview. Yeah. So my issue is I'm I'm at my standing desk right now, and there's no like it's just a wall right here. Like there's a wall right here. So I have nowhere to put the I got nowhere to put the phone. Um, uh, instead, okay. I want to get to the questions, but uh, you want to start with the toast of the week. Do you like my office first of all? I just got yeah. this done. It looks it looks incredible. I'm I'm so proud I'm so proud of you. I'm all grown up, you know. I uh, <clears throat> I'm not very handy, but I built my own standing desk. I probably need to stop shaking the phone. Built these shelves. I got Barry Sanders right here. We got people probably think I just have an OU helmet there. That's OU and OSU. <laughs> Florida State. We got we had to have an Oregon helmet as well. So uh, yeah, got my office together finally. Yeah, I love it. Uh, it's great. It's it's fantastic. Um, okay, you ready to toast? Yeah. I'm okay. Ready. It's time for the Coupel Works Toast of the Week. Coupel Works bring great tasting craft beer in Oklahoma City. Try the flagship F5 IPA, the Bold DNR Belgian Strong Ale, or the refreshing Horny Toad Blonde. For your next watch party, tailgate, or get together with friends, enjoy a cold Coupel Works, and please remember to drink responsibly. Um, you want to go first? You got your you got your toast ready? Yeah, my toast is to, I don't think there's a better candidate than Marcel Aitman. I mean, I said it on the last podcast, you know, we, rightfully so, we talk a lot about James Washington. He was sensational as well, but, you know, Marcel Aitman sitting out an entire year, people kind of forget how good that guy was, and he's reminded everyone with that, that catch he had to extend the drive, really extend OSU season. I mean, the walls were closing in on them. If they lose two games right off the bat in Big 12 play, the season's already a disaster. And he was able to pull off not only the catch, but the way he switched hands and came down with it was was unbelievable. So I'm going to toast a, um, a DNR. Do not resuscitate because he did resuscitate OSU season. <laughs> that's true. He did. Um, that's a good one. I, that's, that's a great pick. Um, I'm going to toast – I'm actually going to toast you. Um <laughs> For for your for your office for doing this podcast with me, uh, we gotten some feedback recently that that we were at odds that we that there was tension there. But 
I've loved doing this podcast with you. Uh, I'm proud of you for building your office. It's been a blast. And I hope Thanks, uh, I hope you've enjoyed it as well. So I'll, I'll toast a uh, Tyron Siren to Carson Cunningham. <laughs> well, I, I would echo those sentiments. I know uh, I appreciate the feedback we've gotten. And it, we have disagreed a lot lately, which I think is good for the podcast. It's yeah. not great if we disagree on everything. Yeah. And yeah, like we're, we're friends away from the podcast. We always will be. So there's no, there's no inner strife here. And uh, you don't have to kiss my butt though, just to make me feel good. But no, I do I'm, appreciate that. I'm, I'm, I'm more touching you for your, your work on the office than anything. Okay. You, you, you admitted, you admitted before you started, you're not super handy. haven't done a ton of stuff like that. And it looks phenomenal. So good, well, good thanks, job by man. you. Yeah, I'm, I'm not handy at all. Uh, most of my friends took wood tech in high school. I didn't. I don't know why. I still don't remember why I didn't take wood tech, but they're all like building tables from a single block of wood while I'm like just lost. But uh, I, I figured it out and it turned out okay. Good. I love it. Um, okay. You want to get to the questions? We've got a bunch of them rolling in. Yeah, let's do it. Um, this is a good one. I really like this question. It's from Seth. If, you, if Oklahoma State were to somehow make the college football playoff, so kind of, kind of going out on a limb there right away, which team currently in the top 10 would you least want them to face and why? Bama. <laughs> let's, let's, throw, let's throw Bama and Clemson out because I think those are the two okay. obvious answers. Um, OU because Mike Gundy coaches differently against them <laughs> and wouldn't try to win. He'd be too – like OU in general, he's afraid, and then you throw in the playoff aspect of it, I think he would be just petrified on the sideline. So, uh, oh, use my pick. Uh, I, see, I don't even remember who's in the uh, who's in the top ten right now. I know TCU's there. That didn't go well last time. Um, Georgia would not would not be great. I, I just I, I worry about a team, obviously with Alabama and Clemson, that has just an elite like defensive line. Um, I. I Oklahoma, State off, Oklahoma State's offensive line, I, I don't think – I think they're fine. I think they've done a good job so far. But I, I just – I don't know if they're – I don't know how good they would be against a Clemson, an Alabama, a Georgia, somebody like that. So I think, I think Georgia might be my pick. Although, I don't know if Georgia's offense is, is good. I mean, they've been good so far, but I don't know how good they're going to be at the end of the year. Georgia's overrated. Okay. Bring me, bring me the Bulldogs. They're beating up on bad SEC teams, and they have a freshman quarterback right now. So. You know that, uh, you know that the college football playoff isn't played in Athens, right? You, we don't get to go back to Athens. No. Uh, <laughs> was no Sean Moreno? Was that who ran all over OSU that day? I mean, yeah. all their running backs are the same to me. Like they all are like two forty and just jacked out of their minds. Nick Chubb, all those guys, they're yeah. all the same. Um, that's a good question. Okay, next question. I'm assuming there's been no official statement about Tyron, which there hasn't, but there are several rumors. Uh, what do we know about his playing time targets or lack thereof? We know nothing. I mean, I, I wasn't able to go to post game because I was live on, on Channel 5 right after the game. But I do want to ask Mike, you know, does, he, does Tyron just not know the plays? Like, what, what is the reason for why this guy not only isn't just getting catches, but he's not even out there? Yeah, a majority of the time, which coming into the season, I don't think anyone would have predicted. I mean, we all thought this guy's super talented, will only add to the depth on the receiving core. And there was a time where I said, you know, Mason Rudolph had to yell at him to get off the field because he didn't even know what the play was. And um, 
maybe that that's the only reason I can come up with Kyle because, like I said, when he catches the ball, it's different than if anybody else not named James Washington catches it as far as what he can do after the catch. He can go score based on what I've seen and the talent level he has. So that's the only reason I can come up with. Yeah, I think he only played like six or eight plays last week, which is absurd. I mean, I keep saying he's overrated, but the reality is he, he hasn't really been out there. I, I don't know what he's rated. I don't know how to rate him because if, if you don't play, you don't get catches. I, I, I don't know. So there's something going on. I don't know um, how that's going to play out. There was another question that we got if, you know, you thought, and, and I agreed with you mostly that, Tyron leaving after this season was kind of a foregone conclusion. Do you still feel like that, or have you changed your mind on that? Maybe that's why he's not playing. They're trying to ruin the bag year. <laughs> They're trying to empty the bag before he fills it up. Uh, I mean, he can go pro regardless. I mean, if I'm him, you almost have to come back because you haven't proven anything at OSU. I mean, maybe he'll just count on his 40 time or his combine times helping him and Chalk it up to OSU had a deep receiving core. I don't know. But if I were him, it's going to be hard to leave if he ends up the same amount of catches per game he's getting right now. He's not really doing much of anything. So yeah, maybe this is by design. Maybe they're trying to uh, ruin the bag year. Someone was complaining about my OU helmet. I got to show off the OSU one too. And I have the badge over here. See the badge? Right here. That's good. Do you see it? Are you blind or what? No, I can see. Oh, I, I thought you were talking to somebody that was commenting. No, I was talking to you. Oh, yeah. Oh, I see it. It's great. Um, what are you hearing behind the scenes and off the record about the mood around the men's basketball team? Well, first of all, if we hear stuff off the record, we're, we're not allowed to discuss it in a Facebook Live that uh, people are watching. But um, I, I think that from what I've heard – and this is all just uh, people not talking off the record, but not really knowing a ton. Um, it seems to be like a one and done, like Lamont's out and you move on. You know, I know, I know they're having a media availability this afternoon, which we have somebody at. We're going to have stuff up on the blog later, but um, that's kind of the feeling that I get. And, and I think that's what all the schools involved in this will try to do uh, is just, fire the assistant that was involved and move on, but it'll be interesting to see how deep it goes. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. I mean, when this first happened, my first thought was, well, Mike Boynton had to know about it. Like, these guys are like brothers. They were both up for the head coaching job. Um, but everything I'm hearing is it's basically gonna, Lamont's going to be the guy to, to go, and Mike Boynton's going to keep coaching the team. I mean, he's talking today at, to, at practice. We have a camera there as well. And I can't imagine if he was under any kind of investigation still or um, was in any kind of danger at all, I don't think he'd be talking. I just, I find that hard to believe. So, and the NCAA is going to come, they're going to find out one way or the other, along with the FBI, whether he knew anything about it at all. And you, you would think they would have figured that out by now. I mean, Rick Pitino's just new stuff's coming out about him all the time, about all the stuff he knew. So, I mean, as much as I thought Mike Boynton was going to be in hot water over this, it doesn't appear like he will be. And um, I think it's also important to note, Kyle, this all happened before Mike Boynton was the head coach. There's a tendency to say, well, he's the head coach. He knew about it. Well, this was before – this is back when Brad Underwood was the head coach. So how much did he know about this? That's yeah. that's another question in all of this. But so far, yeah, I agree with you. I, I haven't heard anything as far as Mike Boynton getting in trouble or anything like that. And I, I have a hard time believing he'd be talking if he was. 
Did you see the picture of uh, Travis Ford and Brad Underwood? Yeah, where was that? It was at some uh, coaches deal at St. Louis. It was at uh, at where Travis Ford coaches at St. Louis University or University of St. Louis. That was that was a surreal photo. Yeah, and aren't they recruiting against each other for players in that area? Like, why are they hanging out? That's that's odd. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know, uh, Brad shook his hand, pulled him in close, said, thanks for Jawan. That was, that was fantastic. Yeah. I'm rich. <laughs> um, they probably okay. have some Mike Holder stories, Kyle. Do I? I bet you they have some Mike Holder stories. Oh, shared oh yeah. Uh, so I wrote a, I wrote a, this isn't a question, but I, I want to get your take. Uh, I wrote a post today about how, how Mike Yersich is actually a good offensive coordinator and the replies on Twitter are um, just, just completely out of control. Uh, but I want to get your take on it. We, we've talked about it off and on. We talk about it after individual games, but I want to get your take on just how he's been as a whole. This is his fifth year, third, uh, yeah, fifth year to, to be the offensive coordinator. Just how do you think, uh, or what do you think about the job that he's doing? Well, first, it's, it's tough to judge him because we don't know within a given game how much influence Mike Gundy has. That start of that TCU game when they just tried to run the ball no matter what, just were trying. Like, that that seemed like Mike Gundy to me. That seemed like we're going to establish the run, and then we'll pass. Um, but, no, Mike Harris just got off to a horrible start. I thought he was bad OC when he first took over. The The game against West Virginia will always stand out where they were trying to run the ball. It wasn't happening. It was one of the worst offensive performances in the Gundy era. And – now you can look back and say, well, they, their offensive line was absolutely horrendous. They had no talent at running back. So what was Mike Yersen supposed to do? I mean, I thought he did a great job manufacturing offense with the running game through the J.W. Walsh package. He gets credit for that. Um, and I think, you know, he's kept this engine running. Now, I've always said since he took over, and maybe it's unfair to compare against 2011, they just haven't seemed as – dominant like they they were averaging even even before and after 2011 i think weren't they averaging more points than they are now or am i wrong on that say that again after what like you know there's a tendency to compare to, to 2011 just their points per game right like averaging close to that yeah on, on offense they're averaging more right now so they're averaging three and a half or 3.55 points per drive on offense right now and that year, through five games, so they played their three non-conference, they played A&M, at A&M, and then they played Kansas at home and put up 70. Uh, they were averaging 3.47. So really close, but this team has been a little bit at, uh, outpacing that team. There you go. I mean, I think he's – I mean, I don't, I don't know what else people want from the guy. I mean, I think he's done a good job as an offensive coordinator. He's grown into the role. Um, do I think he's – the best offensive coordinator in the country? Absolutely not. Do I think he needs to get the ball to Tyron? You bet. Um, but I think he's done he's done a very good job. I mean, there's a reason his name's starting to pop up for head coaching jobs. He's done a good job. He's, in a, good, he's a good offensive coordinator. I don't think that's disputable. If he was a bad offensive coordinator, we would be sitting here, you know, nitpicking, you know, why they didn't score against Texas Tech. When they marched up and down the field on Texas Tech, the only reason they didn't score – Mason made a horrible throw in the red zone, and um, you know their offensive lines beat up. For me, I don't think it was a lack of play calling. Yeah, and I, I think the biggest criticism about him, and we've talked about this in the past, is just a lack of adjustment. You know, we talked about that with Evan on Tuesday. Is, is sometimes he seems 
reticent to um did you just hang up on me on skype no, i think i lost you that was weird back at it okay back at it yeah um he seems reticent to adjust in second halves of games. I went back and looked at the TCU game because that was the one we were talking about. Well, in the TCU game, Oklahoma State had seven drives in the second half, seven offensive drives. And they either scored a touchdown or threw an interception on six of those. So, I mean, call it what you want. It's not, I don't really find him at fault for the, for the interceptions. Like Mason Rudolph is the one throwing those interceptions. Now, one of them was a double pass to Jalen McCluskey. So I think you can, you can pin that one on, on the offensive coordinator. But um, I don't know. I just feel like – and people disagree. People love Todd Munkin because he said cuss words on ESPN and because he it was a great quote. And people love Dana Hogerson because he drinks Red Bull and he's crazy. But Mike Yersich has been pretty good. His, his offense last year put up 2.9 points per drive, uh, 2016. Oklahoma State goes 10-3. and three. That's that's almost the exact same number. Dana Holgerson's put up 2.96 points per drive in 2010. But everybody's like, oh, Holgerson's way better than than Mike Yersich, which maybe like in a vacuum, I would probably pick Dana Holgerson. But I, I just I don't want it to get lost that Mike Yersich has, has done a good job. And just because you don't like a certain play that he's called or because he's not a, a good quote to the media, that doesn't mean he's a bad offensive coordinator. I think I lost John Skype again. So you might have to plug in your Mike Yersich rant via Facebook Live. <laughs> but no, to, to your point, no answer here. To your point, um, people forget. You know, do, does everyone forget the 2010 Bedlam game with Dana Holgerson? It's like the game doesn't exist. <laughs> Do you remember that? OU runs a 5-2 defense just to stop Kendall Hunter. Like, we're not letting Kendall Hunter run the ball. And Dana Holgerson turned into West Virginia Dana Holgerson and just kept trying to run it. And people for, like people just look back fondly, yes, at Dana, the, the Red Bull swilling offensive coordinator. He wasn't flawless. That Bedlam game was a horrifically called game by him. So I, I agree with you that I think people tend to look at Munkin and Holgerson and, and see only the good without the bad. I still remember that 2010 Bedlam game where Holgerson just kept trying to run the ball against that 5-2 defense. It was it was bad. So I, I agree with you. Um, we got a couple more questions here. How much of the alarm about the Oklahoma State team now falling short of expectations is due to offensive line injuries uh, in the past two games, and can the bye week solve that? I think that's an interesting question. What do you? How do you feel about that? Oh, it's going to help. I mean, I don't think you can lose – I don't think any offensive line in the country can lose as many starters as they've lost and done as much shuffling and still be as effective or even close. And I think that that's where really – I think it hurt them down near the red zone when they had to – you know, they kept trying to run the ball down the red zone. They weren't able to blow tech off the ball. Um, so I think the bye comes at a good time. Yeah, I agree. Do, do, you, do you think that Oklahoma State would have beat TCU if they had their whole offensive line healthy, or do you think that wouldn't have mattered? No, I mean, they couldn't stop TCU running the football. I mean, they ran for, like, what, 300 yards in that game? Yeah. They, they couldn't get off the field on third down, couldn't stop the run. I thought the play calling wasn't very great in that game, as we just discussed how great Mike Yersich is. They, they started doing what they're good at, as you and I have talked about, late in the game when it was, it was too late. 
and they, they came out against Tech and did it from the jump and marched right down the field and scored. So there's a little bit of they couldn't stop TCU and had the wrong game plan. Yep. Uh, do you know the only school Mason Rudolph hasn't beaten in the Big 12? Baylor. Yeah. So the next question your, is from – your favorite stat. I love that stat. Somebody brought it up uh, in the questions. They say he's beaten every other Big 12 school. Uh, Baylor surprised people by hanging in there against OU. Um, this guy that said, was surprising. This guy said, this game makes me nervous. How do you guys feel about it? Uh, I'll let you go first because you did you watch Baylor OU? I watched second half. I was in Stillwater that day, so I didn't get to watch the whole thing. But uh, OSU's secondary better be ready to play. I mean, I don't think Baylor's quarterback's anything special, but they were clearly playing the wrong one when they were playing that guy from Arizona who went 0-3. They, you know, they, they lit up OU secondary. So OSU secondary better be ready to play. Um, now, having said that, I still think OSU's going to win and win handily. I was shocked that Baylor kept it close against Oklahoma. But I, I got to think OSU coming off a bye should take care of business. I mean, if you lose to an 0-5 team on homecoming at home, that's, that's not good. That's some I, early 90s OSU stuff there. Yeah, like – I, I don't, I don't want, I don't need the Baylor Twitter people tweeting out like Troy did. Thanks for having us for homecoming, you know, LSU. That would, that would be bad. And I, I, I just, who knows, you know, anything can happen. People can get hurt. We have 10, I mean, we didn't know uh, the ninth president was going to be out for the, for the South Alabama game and he gets hurt the, you know, the day before they leave, like that, that stuff can happen. But as of right now, it's difficult for me to see. Um, I don't know. It's 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 different playing a team in Waco. You have nothing to lose against OU, and and Baylor still has nothing to lose. But you got to go to Stillwater. Uh, it's going to be a, a semi, not a night game, but it's going to end at night. I, I just it's it's difficult for me to see happening. Well, congrats to the students for it not being an 11 a.m. homecoming. That was the worst. Yep. We had a bunch of those yeah. weirds. Yeah, it was it was not good. Uh, speaking of playing at home, did you see Mike Leach's rant yesterday about places that are uh, louder than Oregon? Oh yeah, it was fantastic. <laughs> he didn't mention Stillwater. I know. I kept waiting for him to like to mention like the paddle people, like and Stillwater. He got those sticks and the pads. You know, <laughs> I kept waiting for him to say that, but he didn't. But uh, it was fantastic, and it. I know Mike Leach is quirky. And maybe that's why he hasn't gotten a big job yet. Obviously, he had the issues with Tech, and they're, you know, treating Craig James's kid poorly, I guess. But if a big school like Tennessee or LSU even don't hire Tennessee. him, UCLA, they're fools. This guy has won in two of the toughest places on earth to win college football games, Lubbock and Pullman. Pullman might be the hardest job in the country. It's right there with Mississippi State for me and Starkville, as far as the Power Fives are concerned. Harder than Kansas? And he's already beating USC. Harder than Kansas? Yeah, I would say it's harder than Kansas. Wow. Kansas just uh, spent a ton of money on football now. Did you see they're building a new stadium? Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> this is a great question. That's not a question, but this guy, well, it kind of is. He said, do you guys keep a list of previous uniforms handy on your phone at all times? The only thing I find interesting about uniform talk is how well you guys seem to remember all of them. It's right here. Steel trap. 
I don't need, um, I don't need, uh, I don't need my notes it's all up here. Yeah, that's, uh, I, 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 I feel like I remember most of them as well. Like I just, you watch the games and it kind of gets ingrained. Like if I give you uh, at Tulsa 2011, what, what uniform did Oklahoma State wear? White, white, black with a black brand on the white helmet. Yeah. I mean, there you go. And to me, like, the con like if I see a combo, it reminds me of that game. Like, um, well, this one they've worn a bunch, I guess. But, like, the black, black, orange. Who does that remind you of? What, what team do they play? Uh, Kansas. Yeah. See, yeah. like, I think th that's how I remember them all is I kind of, you know, the, the Iowa State game with Desmond Rowland's sleeves hanging out when they wore white, white, black with the yeah. pistol Pete helmet. So what about, what that's about how it's all up in our heads here. We don't need a phone. What about the Kansas game in 2014 when Tyreek ran the kickback? Uh, gray, white, gray with your favorite helmet? Or was it white, no, white, gray? I think it was white, white, gray. I think they wore gray, white, gray in 2012 when J.W. Walsh played up there. And they barely, they barely – I got Kansas right. It's not the right year. They barely won that game as well. But it was raining. Part of my thing is I, I look at, I mean, we're downloading and posting photos all day, like to go along with our posts. So I like, I see them over and over and over. I think it's actually more impressive that you can remember. Um, where has JD King, this is from not LD Brown. Uh, where is JD King gone? 20, JD King gone, 25 to 30 carries a game seems unsustainable for Justice Hill. Any chance we see King more against Baylor and going forward? J.D. King might be talking a lot. You know, Mike Gundy doesn't like his running backs to talk. Like Kendall Hunter, Justice Hill, they never say a word. They're respectful to the public and the media. But, no, I said on the postgame show after Tech, I want to see J.D. King in the red zone. Down near the 10-yard 10, 10 line and in, power running, I want to see J.D. King. I love Justice Hill. He's an All-American, All-Big 12 guy. But 30 carries is too much, and I just I question whether Justice can – can run over linebackers. He's, he's pretty slight. So I, I, I want to see more J.D. King. I don't know what has happened. Not just to him, but just all the running backs. It's, it's been like Justice Hill or nobody. We need J.D. King in like a Where's Waldo costume for Halloween. <laughs> well, and it, it, Kyle, it goes against everything Mike Gundy's ever said. I know. I know. Even when Kendall Hunter was there, he wanted him to have just 20 to 25. Yeah. If that. So it's, it's, it's odd. Yeah, I agree. Uh, let's see here. I'm with, I'm with you on the JD King thing. I, I want them, uh, I want to see more of him. Um, we'll say, we'll talk about this next week, but somebody asked uh, best guess as to what uniform surprise we get for homecoming. We've gotten a surprise the last, uh, three years, two years, at least, I think three. You had the Bucking Bronco. You had the, um, you had the, uh, slanted OSU against Kansas. And then last year you had the, uh, the West Virginia, the the old Oklahoma State logo. So I, I, I suspect we get a different helmet, like, because that's what we've got in the last three years. Yeah, I would have to go back. Um, isn't there a website that tracks, like, all the helmets they've ever worn? It should be ours. That's that's an – it's where we are in society that, that my website <laughs> is not doing that. Um, but, no, I think, I think they're going to bust out another throwback version, right? Um, yeah. We've seen the Bucking Bronco, although we haven't seen that helmet in a while. Maybe they'll just bring that one back. Yeah, maybe so. I love it. But the, um, the, uh, the throwback helmet for homecoming has become like an annual event, and it's one of my favorite things they've done 
they've done yeah. a really good job with that. Yeah, totally. Okay, this is from James Yang. He said, "Why does this offense struggle with ten to twenty yard with its ten to twenty yard passing game? Is it because Mason struggles with touch passes?" And the same question about red zone uh, fade passes. Um, I mean, I wouldn't say he struggles. I mean, how many passes over the middle against Tech did he hit in stride? Um, yeah, 15, 20 yards. Now it's, it does seem like he's better. He's almost kind of like Amendola. He's better from like long range than like super short range. Um, mm -hmm. But the fade question, the fade question to me is a big one, Kyle. Yeah. That was a big part of the 2011 yeah. offense. And I've gotten a lot of tweets about why don't they throw the fade to Aitman more. I saw Aitman on the sideline during one of those red zone trips. He got, he got mad that he didn't get the ball. Yeah. Uh, and he's probably just tired of watching them run into a brick wall. But um, I don't recall Mason throwing a bunch of fade routes. So that that's a that's a question. That's that's something that could help the red zone offense. I typically don't like the fade at all. I think it's just kind of a give up play. Um, but if you have a guy like Marcel Aitman, like who's that big, it's going to be hard to defend. And the thing about it is, you can you can roll three guys out there. They can run it. I mean, they, they've done it with James Washington before, and it's worked. Uh, Tyron Siren could run it. Like, you can't it, – it would almost be impossible to, to put enough guys on the guys that could run the fade to defend it. Yeah, and it was the best play Whedon and Blackman had. It was simply yeah. unstoppable. Now, I'm not saying they're going to run it as well as those guys, but with the receivers they have, like, you, I forgot about Washington. He's caught that – several times he caught one one-handed didn't he <laughs> kansas yeah it was against kansas um and i agree with you about mason over the middle I, I think that i do think early in his career freshman sophomore even into last year a little bit he even in the bowl game he, he had a couple passes over the middle that were they just weren't as as accurate as as you would like for them to be and and he's been pretty good with he used to say it you remember how he used to like throw it high like sail it over the middle and you're just like i don't know how that's not an interception I feel like he's gotten a lot better with that, and and he was he was really good, I thought, against Tech over the middle. Um, but I'm with you on the fade. But like, I guess they, I don't. Wasn't great, but do other than that, the pick six wasn't great. Yeah, but that wasn't over the that wasn't over the middle. That was, but I guess it was. It was, it was shorter range though, yeah. 15, 20 yards. Yeah, that's true. Um, uh, okay, I think I think that's it. Have you have you seen anything else? I'm afraid to touch my computer to hang up on you. Yeah, seriously. I think that's about all. Um, let's do the uh, the uni well. It's not really going to be a uniform preview, but I do have a question for you. Let's get to this week's uniform review, brought to you by Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop on Campus Corner. And be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Uh, shout out to Chris's again for for making our shirts, shipping them out. Uh, we've had a ton of orders. The the, uh, the Gundy shirt, super popular uh, so far, so that's been fun. People have been ordering that, a ton of those. Um, so yeah. Carson got his in the mail. We got just my, re got my promo code. We're good to go. We just restocked them on Thursday, so we got a bunch of new sizes, and uh, yeah, we should have we should have your size. And if not, we we restock them every Thursday. But um, I just want to I, I want to hear from you, just your favorite uniform, maybe nationally this year that isn't Oklahoma State. Just what have you seen from other teams that you're like, wow, that's that's been pretty good. 
Oh, I haven't been able to watch a ton of games, to be honest. Um, I mean, for me, Kyle, you know, I was in Columbus for OU Ohio State. Ohio State's home uniform in, like, November when they have all the stickers on their helmet, that that's hard to beat. The scarlet and gray is one of my all-time favorite college football uniforms. Um, I always loved Ohio State's. Um, I don't really have any that stick out. Oregon's kind of hadn't done anything that's jumped out at me like normal. Maybe she, maybe it's because Oregon's not as good. It's not as cool. Maybe that's maybe that's the problem. But yeah, I'll go with Ohio State. Yeah, I like that. Uh, I feel like teams are getting some teams are getting worse and not better. Like Tennessee getting worse, A and M getting worse. Um, Florida, shit, Florida's wearing this last week. No. They're wearing, like, orange helmet, orange jersey, white pants. It's weird looking. Not good. Uh, I I am such a sucker for uh, – the, the, and their game was on – I think it was on after the TCU game a couple weeks ago, but Georgia at home with the Reds. Oh, it's just the best. Like, it's <laughs> – it's. I don't know. Like, that. I, I forgot who they were playing. Um, Mississippi State maybe a couple weeks ago. They just looked awesome, and that place looked electric. I was like, man, that looks that looks like a, that looks like a fun place to be on a Saturday night in in October. But I, um, I sent a picture to our Slack chat of it. I love those uniforms so much. Like yeah. Georgia's always been one of my favorites too. Yeah, I, I, I it, it, here here's the thing. Like you've got a bunch of teams getting crazy with it, Oklahoma State included. Like you you know, and that can go really well. I think it's gone mostly well for Oklahoma State. And he can go really badly. Like it's starting to, it's starting to go kind of downhill for Oregon. You know, like we've talked about, they just, you can, you can do too much. Like just staying, you know, Oregon got out of its box. I think got out of, got out of its world a little bit. Well, they, I feel like they've worn all white every game. Like every game, I think they've worn all white. So they've, they've kind of given up on all their wacky combos. It seems like. But um, yeah. another team I liked, Kyle, was. Um, now they, they lost at home to Troy, but LSU when they wear purple at home. Yeah, it's pretty good. Doesn't get any better than that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, by the way, uh, Chris Knox just sent us the uh, it's called the the Helmet Project. So nationalchamps.net backslash helmet underscore project. And it's got all like the history of all of the um, helmets for every team ever. And it is fascinating. OU is out OSU's homecoming helmet. Uh, yeah, OU's only had seven helmets, and Oklahoma State is on its twenty-third uh, historically. How do I find this? It's in our Slack chat. If you've got that up, uh, I've got it pulled up here on my computer. They got uh, Big Chrome Pete as the template. Yeah. You just you again? Yeah, you lost it. Not good. I don't know what's happening with our Skype. Did I lose you again? Yeah. Oh, that's not good. Mm -mm. The helmet project's probably needing a new server for all the helmets that OSU has. <laughs> Uh, give me, uh, Kyle, for homecoming, give me the uh, 1961 where it's a black helmet with an orange stripe with the number on the side, the player's numbers. Yeah, that's pretty cool. 
that would look awesome. Yeah. What are you doing over there? Well, I'm trying to get us back on Skype. Oh. This is this is bad radio. This is not good. No. Uh, someone mentions the uh, Arkansas Chance Stokes mentions the Arkansas Dallas Cowboys units. Did you like those? Yeah, those were cool. I like that. Are that you back? Are we back on Skype? Are we good? Uh, yeah. We're good. Okay, cool. Um, okay, well, let's wrap up. Let's go back and hear one more time from our sponsor, Chris's University Spirit, and we'll come back and take it to the weekend. Chris's University Spirit on Campus Corner in Stillwater, Oklahoma, is proud to be your one-stop cowboy shop since 1986 and proud sponsor of this podcast, Pistols Firing. They specialize in custom-printed Oklahoma State apparel and merchandise and pride themselves on their excellent customer service. They also offer a full line of custom Greek apparel and can even outfit your Little League team head to toe. They're located at the corner of 3rd and Knobloch on Historic Campus Corner. You can follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Shop Stilly. Shop Chris's University Spirit. Okay, Carson. Um, how'd you play, how'd you play uh, with Evan on, on Tuesday? Whoa. It was brutal. We were bad. terrible. Well, I blame Evan. Evan rubbed off on me. I started out um, bogey, 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 which is not terrible on the course we were playing. Evan had to, like, pick his ball up a few times. It was not great. And um, from, from then on, it was all downhill after that. So uh, we didn't even finish, Kyle. He had to go, and we were both playing bad. So we just we called it after, like, 15, we called it. Not good. Not a good day. Yeah, I couldn't post that scorecard <laughs> with a straight face. It was incomplete. What are you doing? Uh, what are you doing this weekend? Do you have OU this weekend? Yep, OU's at home. Uh, it's 11 a.m. game against Iowa State. Which I might need some coffee for that. But um, yeah, then uh, then it's OU Texas the weekend after. So I'll be down the uh, Cotton Bowl for that one too. And before you know, it'll be bedlam time. I know. It's so crazy. The season is almost half over. I mean, we're in week uh, six. There's only there's only 14 weeks. This is, But this is – I was telling somebody the other day, that's why college football is the best sport because you always want it to be college football season and you never want it to be over. There, there's, there are not very many other sports you can say that about. Golf, I've wanted it to be over for like three months. It's way <laughs> too long. Baseball, yeah. way too long. NBA, way too long. But college football – is the rare sport that you can't get enough of. So it's been a, it's been a, a lot of fun so far this year. And um, yeah, looking forward to the rest of the season. Saddest day of the year is the day after the national championship game. I know. I'm in the state of depression because you're <laughs> right, man. The college football off season is by far the longest. It just yeah. takes forever. So yeah. enjoy it while it lasts. Yep. Okay. Uh, appreciate it, Carson. And um, yeah, we'll talk to you later. All right, man. See ya. See ya.